Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everybody, thanks for coming back. Welcome to episode 19 of Tools for the Toolbox. Again, I am super excited. I got a really great guest on here, but as per usual, I'm gonna let him introduce himself. So kick this right off. Who are you and what is your military background? Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Chance. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you over the next hour or so. Who I am, I'm Randy Turner. Um, I live here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Grew up in the East Coast, so born and raised in Halifax. Uh, joined the military uh, right out of high school. Went to uh, the PPCLI, so I was posted to Winnipeg at that time, the 2nd Battalion PPCLI, before they moved to Winnipeg, or uh, Shiloh rather. And the year that they moved from Winnipeg to Shiloh was the year I did selection for JTF uh, 2 I uh, became an assaulter in 2004, and I did that for the remaining 16 years of my career. So I finished uh, finished military career with 21 years complete, and now I'm in the process of uh, getting a, a new business off the ground. And as a relatively new entrepreneur, um, the business I'm running is called Direct Action Combat Performance. Well, so how, how long have you been doing? Uh, so you got out in 2018? That's right. Yeah. So you, how long you've been running the business? So officially I retired in September. Um, and then the rest of that year in 2018, um, I got things in order for um, the business itself. So October, November, December, and then January, 2020, that's when things kind of kicked off with the business. And then, as you know, like everybody was suffering by, uh, yeah, my, everything by with this shit. <laughs> yeah. This, um, this, pandemic kind of kicked off in March. So it really, since the beginning of the business has really been up and down in, in terms of trying to get things going. Just when a little bit of momentum was started, COVID kicked off the first wave, things slowed down and mm -hmm. then started to pick up again. June, July, August were good months. And then once again, another bit of a wave and it's put a, a bit of breaks on to the business itself. That, that is a, uh, it's a kick in the balls, man, that <laughs> this whole <laughs> pandemic thing. I originally was... I had a plan. I still have a plan to uh, develop a equine therapy uh, retreat for yeah. for people. And my original plan called me for starting in 2020, and I was going to break ground uh, this last year. And I was like, okay, we're going to get started. We're going to be good to go. And then in January, everything started to to fall apart. And I'm like, you know, I think I might just wait a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay, going to be going to be challenging. So, what is what is direct action? And like, what do you, what is it you offer? Uh, so direct action and combat performance is, um, it's a multitude of services. So essentially what I'm doing is providing an outlet for people to learn self-defense, um, combative type skills. I teach firearms training, uh, help out with physical conditioning, um, psychological resiliency, mm -hmm. and an overall a holistic view on personal protection and, and self-preservation. You know, it's such a, it's such a lacking skill set in the world and it is uh it's kind of amazing i mean we'll we'll get into this more in a little bit but it's amazing how little people know in terms of how to defend themselves and why it's important and all this other stuff but uh yeah like i said we'll get into that in a little bit so you were out in 2018 and you know i know a lot of guys have had really hard transitions from reg force from 
reserves, from all kinds of things. How was it coming from the hill to getting out? Like, how did your transition actually go? Yeah, not, not too bad. Um, not too bad. When I say not too bad, like, you hear some really terrible stories and then you hear some really good stories. So what I was kind of disappointed in, I guess, and I won't, I won't harp too much on, on the negative because I certainly don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but the transition for me on the way out was not as smooth as I thought it would be. And part of it is on my own doing. Um, I thought I had a lot of time to get things into order. And what I realized quickly when the actual release date had come, um, I wasn't prepared. There was a lot of things that were still up in the air. So, I mean, part of that was on me, but part of it was, you know, just a lack of information or misguided information on who was the right person to talk to or what section of, of individuals had the information that I was, I was kind of requiring to step off into the next chapter of my life. Um, so part of that transition was a bit of a hiccup. But, you know, like, like most of us, we, we find a way to figure it out and ask the right questions, talk to the right people. So uh, overall, for me, it wasn't too bad. Um, the transition per se, a couple of months after, you know, being out of uniform is when it kind of hit me where I was missing the guys, I was missing part of the job, I was missing the, you know, the, the level of professionalism that we are so in tune to get used to. Um, mm-hmm. I was missing that. So there were, yeah, there was, there were some highs and there were some lows, very excited to be my own boss, very excited to, you know, um, take on the, the pressures and and the pressures are good pressure, but knowing that the success or the demise of this business is resting solely on my shoulders. So that motivates me and that excites me. And there's days where I still kind of, I catch myself looking in the rearview mirror a little bit. I'm wondering how the guys are doing at the unit and wondering what the guys are up to and um, you know, I miss them. I, I miss parts of the job, but I'm very, very happy with my decision at this point. Yeah. I, uh, I always tell people like what there's, there's always going to be times, right? You get out and there's going to be the times where you're like, fuck, I miss running around with a gun. I miss jumping out of planes. I miss doing all the cool shit, you know? Yeah. And so I'll call my buddies up and be like, Hey man, what are you up to? And they're like, oh, I'm in some fucking exercise in Wainwright. And this is like, <laughs> I don't even know what we're doing here. I'm like, cool, man. Thanks. That's all I needed. <laughs> Done. And it, uh, really it makes you you know your brain tries to pick up on all the uh the good memories right all the the good times where you're like man that was so much fun i love blowing that door in and having those guys storm through the the into the house it was amazing but you forget about the 14 hours of prep to get to that 30 seconds worth of a window where you pound through a door and do some crazy shit and you're like woo, this is awesome uh and your brain will will tell you the longer you're out like I've been out since uh, 13 now yeah. and the longer you're out, the more you forget about the little, the, the time in between those fun parts, right? You'll see a picture of a dude that you used to work with and be like standing in front of a helicopter. And you're like, Oh, I remember doing that shit. So we, it'd be so much fun to get back into that. <laughs> and then you realize all of the crap that they had to go through in order to get that photo, <laughs> get yeah. in the helicopter, actually fly anywhere. So it's uh yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things you have to acclimatize yourself to because it's always going to come back in your head like, oh, I miss being in the army. I miss being the badass that I used to be. I miss being able to do the stuff I, you know, hanging out with the boys and going for beers and all this stuff. But it's a, uh, it, it, it gets better over time. <laughs> so if you had, if you had one piece of information 
one yeah. little tidbit for somebody getting out for transition wise what do you think you would if you had talked to yourself a couple of years ago what would you say to do better yeah that, that's that's a really good question i would say so given the timeline um for my situation so it was uh, yeah i think we i think we miss uh, misspoke on the align uh, timeline so it was 2019 is actually when I disembarked, but 2018 is when I started to think about life after the military. Okay. In 2018 is when I started to think about running a business and what it would look like. I knew I wanted to do something with what my passions are. So I love everything to do with martial arts, specifically self-defense with regards to the extent of the hand. So, you know, defending against somebody that's wielding a blade or you know, someone that's posing a threat with a pistol. I always found that type of combative martial arts very, very interesting. And it wasn't until my time with the, with the special forces that I got exposure to that type of training. And once I did, I found like there was something that was lit inside me that I was really passionate about it. So about 2018, I started to think, all right, what, what's my next bound in life? If I get out um, at age 40, I'm very marketable. Still got a lot of years left ahead of me that I can do something um, with a lot of great energy and put, put really uh, positive energy into it. So then 2019 came and I gave the unit um, eight months head, heads up. So I, I put in my release and said, uh, basically, you have me as an instructor, you have me as, you know, to your disposal as you, as you need for the next eight months, but um, September, I'm, I'm going to move on. And then, you know, like we talked about just a few minutes ago, it was the moment that I realized how quickly that, that date was coming. That eight months that I gave the unit was not enough time. So if there's one piece of information that I would give somebody is if, if they know and they've already had that conversation with their significant other, or they've had that conversation with themselves and they made the commitment to take the next step into the next journey of their life, I would say start, start sooner. Yeah. Start sooner than you think. And people sometimes ask me, well, what's a good timeline? I would say arguably, two years. So if you, if you know that you're going to get ready to, you know, disembark from the military, give yourself two years to get a lot of things into order, mm -hmm. because there are a lot of things administratively that sometimes we overlook or we think we can take care of next week, but really the system and the way it's in place, it's not that people don't care. They do, but there are only so many people to help you along your journey. And you are not the most important thing in everybody else's journey. So mm -hmm. it takes time. Um, you know, so I would say that if that's one piece of information I could share with guys that are getting ready to, to release from the military, retire, and then do something different, give yourself a little bit more time. If you can, you know, yeah. arguably two years would probably be a, a good amount of time to get everything into order. That's a great timeline too. I had, I had two months. From that. <laughs> so I was, uh, luckily enough, like I, I had a, uh, pretty easy transition just because I was the only person getting out at the time I was in Meaford at the time and there was a VA uh, representative on base in Meaford and I was the only person getting out so I had direct access and that uh, that lady helped me out she just handed me papers like sign this sign this sign this sign this we're going to apply for that blah, blah 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 so it worked out well for me but I know lots of guys that got out in 30 days yeah. and they were fucked <laughs> just it yeah, throws yeah. you and i think sometimes it's because guys are hesitant to to share that information because of the stigma or because how they feel they're going to be you know treated once the release papers go in mm -hmm. um i can tell you like 
I didn't feel that. I, and maybe everybody's situation is a little bit different, but there's a level of professionalism and there's a level of respect that is not only expected from the member to, to give an adequate amount of time to the chain of command. So it's not a surprise, mm -hmm. but also that's a two way street. So, you know, there are people in positions that respect the fact that you need to, as a member, as a Canadian forces member, you need to get into order so you can be successful in life after the military. So I think that conversation needs to be had both by the member and the chain of command, just so there are no surprises. And, you know, the unit's not going to suffer when that one individual surprisingly takes off after 30 days or what have you. And yeah. then conversely, the member is going to be set up properly. So, you know, he can put things in order and, and have a smooth transition. I agree. You know, the, uh, the, uh, one of the other pieces of information I tell people is that the, you know, the military, the unit, the regiment, whatever you're in, it's a machine. Right. And if you look at it as a machine, you feed it the paperwork, you need to feed it at the right time and everything will go smoothly. Yeah. If you try and shortcut the system or you try and, you know, figure your own way out or I'm going to do this my way, everything starts to get bogged down. Everything starts to get thrown a wrench and like it just becomes a, a shit show at that point. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think also <clears throat> depending on, as you said earlier, it's the, the individual's responsibility right? It is your responsibility to sort it out because <clears throat> no one else is going to do it. And unfortunately in the reg force, at least uh, a lot of times we get used to being taken care of, right? The OR does a lot of your paperwork. Your troop clerk does a lot of stuff for you. You're kind of used to stuff being taken care of. <clears throat> and it, it, yeah, if you're, you know, you're getting out after five, six years, you're not used to doing your own paperwork. You're not used to doing your own. You're not used to being an advocate for your own um, well-being. Right? I agree you're, with you. Yeah. Your sergeant's 100%. supposed to take care of you. Right? And then uh, you get out and you're just like, Whoa, what the hell just happened? Yeah. I, I, it's a, it's a tough thing, but you're absolutely right. If you have more time, you know, um, I, I had a conversation with Mark Campbell at one point and uh, he was saying, you know, we should develop uh, an out camp. Like we have a boot camp to get in. There should be an out camp more so than just going to um, whatever it's called now, the transition center or whatever per per each base but yeah. it should be like an actual camp like you go to a different base completely okay we're gonna go through all the paper we're gonna get you back to doing bills we're gonna get you back to finding a doctor blah 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 blah, blah, blah all that stuff yeah. but yeah that's transition's a tough subject because it's so personal right and um, one of the things that actually helped me through my transition was all my training through martial arts and i've been doing martial arts most of my life and i i'm a huge fan of it i <laughs> i can't express how much it has helped me throughout my life yeah um and it, it becomes this little background thing in your head that allows you to deal with everything that comes up right if yeah. you're stressed out you can go pound a bag for a while you know if you're finding things being really challenging that it becomes a, a focal point right you can you know that you can go to the gym and you can train <laughs> whatever it is you do yeah. um you know, you've been, you said you've been doing martial arts most of your life. What is it? How, what does martial arts mean to you? Like how important is it in your day to day? Oh yeah. That's a great question. That, that man, you know what? I believe it's become a lifestyle. It's part of, it's part of who I am. So um, I, and I started late in life. I didn't really find formal training in martial arts until I was already at the, at the unit for about four years. Oh, wow. So I started really late in life um, and I started it as a compliment to, you know, help me with my job. 
So it was a, a complementing force to help with, you know, resiliency, the mental side, the spiritual side, but also the physical side. Um, so when I started, I started with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. After about six months of that, um, really enjoyed it. I added Muay Thai. And after Love about BJJ. Months, so oh, much fun. Great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what that's like, Chance, like that, that one sport alone, the, the education and the learning, it never slows down. There's always a new way to do things. And mm -hmm. I find it fascinating. Um, so for, for my journey with the martial arts, I, you know, and then after another few months or so, I added wrestling. So those are three, the three disciplines that I focus on primarily. Mm -hmm. So jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai striking and uh, wrestling. But the reason I mention that is I truly believe that that was a big factor, a contributing factor in keeping my mental state healthy throughout the years while I was operating at such a high tempo um, with the unit. As we were on the road a lot, um, you know, when we weren't on the road, we were training for that next thing that is, you know, just over the next bound. Mm -hmm. um, so the tempo is extremely high at the unit. And I do find that when I did add the formal side of, of martial arts training, where you walk into a gym that has a great atmosphere with lots of respectful people, and there's a set structure of classes, um, it was a great outlet because it was that one thing where I knew I could step onto the mat and for the next 45 minutes to two hours, whatever it might be, I don't have to think about anything else except for, you know, how do I, how do I apply this submission or, or how do I, you know, kick this bag or whatever the thing is. And it was great, great outlet. And uh, it was also a very complimentary uh, set of skills that I developed over the years um, to help me perform well at work. So martial arts for me is, um, it's a mixture of discipline. It's a mixture of physical conditioning. Um, it's, a, it's a mixture of self-development and, and self-awareness. Um, and all in all, it's just, uh, it's a great thing that I would recommend any Canadian citizen to, to get involved with at any age too. Like there's never an age that you're too old. And I would argue that maybe the youngest you could probably get started would be like three years old where you're starting to kind of understand and comprehend your body movement. Mm -hmm. So literally from like three years old until we'll say 70, you know, you can start any form of martial arts and it's going to be beneficial. Yeah, I can't agree more. Um, <clears throat> my, I did martial arts. Uh, what did I start? I think I was six, five or six when I first started, you know, random karate class at this one place in, uh, in Calgary. And then didn't really like that. Uh, my brother got into Taekwondo. He absolutely loved that. I did that with him for a little while, you know, yeah. got, uh, but it really, you know, and the other thing is it's so personal, right? Like it, you have yeah. to, there's a style to it and there's a, you know, how does it work with you? Do your limbs work this way? And my brother and I, like I'm six, six, my brother's six, eight, and he's now a third degree black belt in Taekwondo and man, his legs are just like, <laughs> it's yeah. insane. You can't even get close to him. Just like yeah. wham, all of a sudden it foots in your face. Um, but training with him was great for for a little while and it just wasn't my style. I eventually found Kung Fu, got into Wushu at one point, the Shaolin monks style. And just like, I love that because his and my body types are slightly different. Right. I have a bit more weight. I'm a, a little bit more upper body. He's very lean, lots of lower body strength. So the styles kind of worked well together. And then, you know, you know I stopped when I joined the army and didn't really train much in terms of martial arts. And I think that uh, led into the fact that I was having issues 
after tour was I didn't have that outlet. I didn't have that mindfulness setup that I could just go and like everything else didn't matter. I just need to train. And then <clears throat> got into uh, BJJ a couple of years ago and I just got my four straight on my white belt. So, I'm, <laughs> uh, but it's, it is like you said, it, you walk into the gym, you bow in and you just train. Right. And that's, that's it. That's all there is to it. There's, there's no politics. There's no uh, garbage. There's no trauma. It is just work. Yeah. And then, you know, getting choked out by a 16 year old girl <laughs> that you outweigh by hundred pounds is Very humbling, humbling. <laughs> humbling. Exactly. And you, it really, you know, you start to, you can either look at it. There's most people will look at it and say, Oh God, I can't do that. That's, this isn't, this isn't right for me. Or the other person goes, what does she know? <laughs> How is it that that is possible? And then you want to, your curiosity is peaked and you want to get into it. Yeah. But it is a, it's such a personal thing, right? You have to find that right art. <clears throat> uh, the other thing that I love about it was that it is, it's one of the only <clears throat> martial arts you can go 100%, right? But in training, like one of the things that bothered me when I was doing Wushu was the fact that it was, um, you know, I, I could go a hundred percent, but I wasn't trying to hit the person. I was going hundred percent physically, but I knew that that shot was not going to hit him. Yeah. And I knew that when you know, I swing my staff and I'm, he's going to block me and I know he's going to block me. There is a different mindset to that versus jujitsu where, you know, I'm trying to submit a guy. I'm trying to submit it. I'm going to break his arm if he doesn't uh, tap out kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it allows you to really, work right that's what i love about it but you know you you mentioned that you would recommend martial arts for everybody right doesn't yeah. matter how old doesn't matter you know my my sons are in it they're seven and three they both got brand new geese for christmas they're all uh, super yeah. excited about training in them why do you think it's so important to develop martial skills because for me and you i mean we're we're soldiers we this is makes sense right yeah we're gonna we need it for not only our job but our life and all this other stuff but okay. for the average person who's never been in a fight in their life who's never you know they don't deal with stress they don't have any of these issues why train it's more yeah but it's even more that more than that it's more than about you know being able to fight it's about there's so many layers to it so when i would recommend to anybody you know, that is maybe a little bit hesitant. They're thinking about it, but maybe they're hesitant. And whatever the reservations are, sometimes those are self-imploded, or sorry, uh, self-induced, self uh, where their own internal reservations might have to do with their self-confidence, where they don't want to maybe look silly, or because they don't know what they're doing, they're going to, you know, be behind everybody else in the class. It's not like that. Everybody, all, all of us, anybody that's done one single formal class, guess what? We were all that person. We were all that person who started and we were all the same. We stepped onto the mat, didn't know, didn't know, you know, X's from O's and we were just trying to put the pieces together. And you know, that's part of the excitement for, for me personally. And what I try to share with others is take a chance, be, you know, be honest with yourself and just take a chance. You won't regret it. There's absolutely no negative effect to training, no matter mm -hmm. what the discipline is or no matter you know, how much of it you do, there's no negative effect. It's all positive. You know, some people, their reservations are maybe because they, they potentially could get injured. Well, 
maybe, but the reality is you could also be walking to the local bus stop and slip off the curb and get injured, you know, just doing the routine daily thing that you're, you're just going to jump on the bus. So why would you box yourself up with the fear or the, the pre preconceived notion that you're going to get hurt rather than, yeah, it potentially could happen, but it's highly, you know, improbable based on the fact that it's a structured class with a overseeing coach or instructor with a group of like-minded individuals. So mm-hmm. if anything, I would say it's probably the safest spot you could be in terms of, in, in terms of mitigating the risk of injury. Um, but yeah, so, so um, for me personally, what I would suggest to people is if you're thinking about it, do it, try it, you know, try it out. There's no, uh, there's nothing negative that can come out of it. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. I think everybody should train. I actually, I'm a big proponent of it should be in school as a, like a general elementary to high school, you should get some sort of uh, grappling training. When my wife and I were talking about having kids and you're like, well, what if it's a boy? What if it's a girl? You know, how is this going to change? And I'm like, nothing's changing. They're going to learn how to fight. They're going to learn how to hunt. They're going to learn how to track. They're going to learn how to do all this stuff just as a base level skill set. And if, you know, if they don't like it after five, six years, cool, you know, stop. That's up to you, but you'll have a, you'll have a baseline. That's right. And I yeah. think for, uh, for us, especially military guys, you know, we like to be challenged, right? We yeah. want to be pushed. We want to be, uh, we want the mark that we're looking for to be high, right? right. <laughs> What's the bar? Okay. We're going to go up there right. and then, uh, and then push that limit. And I think there's a lot to be said with, you know, because we're competitive by nature, um, you know, everybody has a level of competitiveness built into them. Some are obviously more, um, more driven by competition than others, and that's fine. But I agree with you. I think when you're training with a partner, you're doing partner drills, you know, grappling or whatever it might be, there's a level of, of win that is built into us. So why not, why not, you know, harness that and, and use it in a, in a channel, you know, organized, safe environment where you can actually push yourselves, push your training partner. And Mm -hmm. I read a book uh, a few years ago and there's a quote in the book that stuck with me and it said, um, uh, competition with cooperation makes everybody better. And I think it's a brilliant way to put it where, yeah, you know what, if, if say you and I are training together and be like, all right, chance, what do you want to work on today? You know, we have that verbal dialogue before we start training. All right. What are your training aims today? Cool, man. All right. Well, I'm going to work on this. We touch gloves or we touch hands and there's your opportunity to try to work that thing. And your mm-hmm. training partner is aware of it. So, you know, you've already added a level of safe, you know, competitive environment, but you're cooperating with each other, which, you know, that means you're, you're, the chances of you hurting each other are a lot less. Yep. The other part of it is that it, uh, it makes it harder, right? Like <laughs> if I tell you, I'm going to work on spider guard. Yeah. Right? you're going to be like, okay, you know, spider guard is coming, right? <laughs> so right. It's yeah. going to make it harder on me to yeah. get spider guard that's right. because you know, it's coming, but that's beneficial for me because now I'm working on something. I'm, I'm trying to gain a skill set when they yeah. know it's coming. So the person that when I do use it on someone and they don't know it's coming, it's going to hit. Right. Yeah. And the same thing when you're boxing or, you know, if you want that, you right cross to be really, really solid. You tell the other person, I'm going to work on my right cross today. They don't know what, they know what's coming. Yeah. They're, they're going to keep that left hand up, right? It's going to be there all the time. And you have to find your hole. You got to wait for that gulp to drop. You got to wait for it to come out to the side, whatever. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. And I think, you know, anyone can benefit from that, you know, and like, yeah, you know, sometimes when you see a, a bigger 
opponent, for an example, you know, manhandling somebody that's a little bit smaller or whatever, like, you know, that's a bit of ego. We all have ego, but if we're aware of that and you can check that at the door, your training environment and your, your ability to grow and develop is going to exponentially increase and, and everyone will benefit from it. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of, cl a lot of clubs are so chill. Like the people there are really relaxed and you might see this big dude and you're like, I, don't, I really don't want to go after that guy, but he's, they're usually the, the nicest people and they're really happy to, to help and train and so on and so forth. Like we got uh, ladies training with us uh, at our gym and you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm 220 at six, six. <laughs> and, uh, and I train with the girls all the time. I'm like, yeah, absolutely train on me run your drills let's do it like the when shit hits the fan you know if something bad happens it's going to be someone my size and right. you want to be training against someone my size so that you're used to it i agree and uh you know i told my wife trying to i'm trying to get her into it because she's never been she's uh she's never been a, a confrontation style of person and one of the things i tell her is like you never know right yeah. one of the things that uh, really made me fall in love with her at one point when we were first dating, she opened up her trunk for some reason. And there was a hatchet inside. And I was like, why do you have a hatchet in your trunk? And she's like, just in case. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, good love it. Good thinking. But I realized she's never actually trained with it. She's never utilized it. She's it's just kind of in her head. I'd love to be able to have this in case stuff happens. And I'm like, okay, well, so I sat her down one day and I'm like, how, how much do you think you'd actually be able to do that? Right. If, if you were really stressed out, and you were walking home or walking to the car from grocery store or whatever. Yeah. And you're walking towards your trunk and you all of us, you, you know, someone's following you, something's happening and you want to get in there to get that hatchet. Do you think you'd be able to mm -hmm. maybe, maybe can you get the key in the thing when your hand is shaking? You're like, Oh God, I can't get the, you know, like that this happens all the time. And training is what, alleviates that. and you and i know this because you know that's what we do stress inoculation is yep. part of the job but the average person doesn't get that and no and what i'm trying to elicit and, and you know share with people is to your point chances there may be that thing that the individual is really good at but but the reality is you know when a situation presents itself normally it's not it's not that thing that you happen to be really good at or that one thing that you've trained that falls into your lap. Like the bad guy and, the, you know, people that have evil intent, they have a say in the matter. And normally it's a surprise type of environment where now you're reacting. You're already on your heels because you're reacting. So, mm -hmm. you know, the philosophy with the, the DA brand is training in rules of three. So the rules of three essentially are, you know, if you have – at least three go-to moves that you can, you know, call upon under stress, under a level of duress, then this is a good baseline. This is a good start state. If you have three different tools that you could put into action if required, you know, train on those things. So one of those three things may be the tool of choice given the particular circumstance or confrontation. So the principle of three is always have three in the repertoire. And if you're able to, you know, under confidence with a little bit of training, you know, execute those specific skills or attributes in three seconds or less, you know, when a lot of altercations will happen in three seconds or less, then you've got a solid baseline. You've got a, you've got a level of foundation that you can build upon because you have an understanding of how to draw upon these things in a moment of stress, in a moment of duress.
I, yeah, you, absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know how many times I've said this over my podcast, but we always had three COAs, right? Yeah. Always. Doesn't matter what, what you're doing. You always have three at a minimum. <laughs> and then if you, if you're expecting trouble, then you have multiple uh, contingencies after that. Yeah. And, you know, I had this conversation with my parents at one point and they're, my mom's a hippie, right? <laughs> she's, she wasn't very happy about me getting into the military to begin with, but um, it is a, the one thing they tried to hit me with that what I'm a big proponent of uh, concealed carry. And I think we should have the ability to defend ourselves in any situation with whatever tools we have available to us to a degree. I mean, I think we, we definitely, if we had concealed carry, we need some serious restrictions and legislations to determine who is good to go to carry something like that or not. Because, you know, for, for, for me, you carrying a pistol on you every day, that doesn't bother me. Right. That makes sense. Former special forces. Yeah. Okay, cool. He's going to train with it. He knows what he's doing. He, he has the, the ability and the experience to handle it. Joe Schmo, Corporal Bloggins from service battalion. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know him from a hole in a wall. Right. Yeah. So there's uh, definitely restrictions that need to go in place. But anyway, besides that, yeah, I had this conversation with my parents and they were like, why would you need a gun? And I'm like, just, in case like it, i'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it and they're like well there's no point in like we live in a safe environment what is the issue and i'm like <laughs> i was like safe is safety is an illusion right yeah. we we believe that we are safe in, a, in our society because we all agree that we're not going to go fucking kill each other yeah. on on a whim but there are crazy fucking people out there oh. and there are there are people that want to hurt other people. And I don't know how many times I've heard this quote, but uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, I tried to develop an argument that I could use on that or not use on them, but like get them to understand that it's, it's better to have it and never touch it. Right. Better to have that skill set and never use it than it is to not have it at all. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone? Like, how, how would you build that argument? Um, I think you're, you're on, onto something for sure. Um, and I, I agree that there are, but we could say that about a lot of different things, right? Where, yeah. For an example, um, a 25 year old man who happens to come across a lot of money and he's lucky enough to, you know, afford a, very high performing um, vehicle of some sort, whatever yep. that might be, right? Yep. Fill, in, fill in the blank. He's not overly mature, but he has the ability to hammer the throttle into that vehicle and potentially that is a 3000 pound weapon. Yep. Right? So we could use that argument. So I would say absolutely, it's nice to have something, especially if it's needed to use. So in the environment that we're currently living, you know, yes, we, we don't have the ability to conceal carry. Okay, what do we have the ability to do? Well, we have the ability to formulate a strong mental state. We have the ability to utilize our hands. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to use flexible weapons, such as a belt that you could easily access off your own waist. There are other tools that we have available if we have the understanding and the paradigm to be able to use those tools in a moment of stress and duress. Mm -hmm. So 
rather than saying, because I, I would love to be able to conceal carry, but rather than getting too fixated on being tool dependent, we, we can really change the way we train and the way we look at potential problems in terms of what's in our current environment that we could potentially use if we needed to, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of I look at it like that. Now, don't get me wrong. If we were able to conceal carry, would I? Yes, of course I would. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to your point and the point that I'm trying to um, hammer home is there are a lot of things that we sometimes overlook in terms of how could we use this as a force multiplier to protect ourselves or to protect our family or, or you know, who, whatever the situation might be. There are a lot of readily accessible things in our environment that we can use. Absolutely. You know, I, <clears throat> I use concealed carry as a general example, right? But right. you're absolutely right. There are tools that are, are uh, that we can just, that are available to us all over the place, right? And one of the things that uh, my mom brought up, she was like, I have a, there's a beer bottle here that, you know, that was left from last night. And I'm like, absolutely. That's a great tool. But how much have you trained with it? Right. Right. And because that is such a key point that most people don't understand. And I had this conversation with uh, an RCR buddy of mine years ago when we were talking about concealed carry was, you know, how would we, where would we feel comfortable with Joe Blow on the street carrying a pistol or a weapon or just in general, like what level of training would we see as a, uh, as comfortable because again for you or i you know we have the training we have the experience okay that makes sense for us but the average person they they don't really have it right and the um and the the key thing that we kept coming back to was training 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 it's got to be you got to have like black badge course minimum you got to have this many hours on the range you got to have so many rounds through the weapon before you're allowed to carry it blah 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 yeah. <clears throat> And I think that that stress inoculation, that uh, the ability to decipher shoot, no shoot scenarios, um, when to pull versus not, do you need to be involved in the situation, you know, um, how to help uh, law enforcement if necessary, when to, when not to, right? But this is all training. It's got to be hammered in over and over and over and over again. And the average person just doesn't get it. So, I mean, like you at Direct Action, you're offering courses like this, right? That's right, exactly. And that's exactly it. A lot of it has to do with the, the mindset and the decision-making process when we are faced with a situation where we know that the more information we have, the better decision we'll probably be able to make, but that's not real, that's not realistic. So realistically, we have to make a sound decision with the limited amount of information that we currently have right now. So, you know, some of the stuff that I'm trying to help share with, with people is what can you do? And in some cases, if all you have the ability to do is run to safety, well, then that's what you did. That was the decision that you made, you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll layer it from there. So we'll start taking away deductions. All right. We'll say you can't run, you know, say you were surprised, say you're in a, in a vehicle, say you're in a uh, confined space, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll elicit a different response. And, you know, that response is going to be driven by a psychological stimulus because of the situation that we're living in. Mm-hmm. So whatever that situation might be, whether it was thought of or whether it was experienced, you know, based on the client, you know, that's going to drive the training. And, and to your point, it is the training that essentially it, that that's the common denominator. And one thing that I'm really happy about um, now that I've embarked upon entrepreneurship is, you know, once upon a time, 
you know, while I was operating at the unit, there is so many skills that we're expected to maintain. And, you know, throughout the year, there's just, it, it, what it really felt like was there's not enough time to devote to each and every skill. So over the years, we continue to gain new skills and, and get to gain a whole lot of knowledge. But what, what happened was became pretty good at a whole lot of skills, but not really good at, you know, a handful of skills. So what I'm trying to do now is just minimize those skills. So I want to be really good with a fixed blade. I want to be really good with a folding blade. I want to be really good with my hands, my ability to think through a problem. Mm -hmm. And I want to be, I want to be really good with a firearm. So I've kind of narrowed that training, um, the amount of time to train to a more manageable size. And, you know, and with that, one of the principles that I promote with people that, that come to me for training is a 70-30 principle where we're going to devote 70% of our time to the things that we're not really good at yet. 70% of that time to the things that we really want to develop and get really good at. And then we're going to devote 30% of our time to do the things that we're already good at because that's going to what's boast our confidence. That's going to be the thing that we're really going to draw upon, you know, in a, in a moment of, holy shit, this is about to go sideways. So there's well, a 70-30 principle we try to do it. That's a great principle. 70-30 is, is really perfect. And as you said, it, it is like, <clears throat> you know, you get, you train, you get better, you do stuff that you're not good at for a good chunk of that. And then you, you get that, that little bit of, okay, I'm good at this. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to hone this, right. I'm going to make sure that I'm really good at this. Right. And you know, that's why you, you sharpen your blades with different grits, right? Is you have, you got to get the blade uh, like edged first, yeah. right? <laughs> And yep. then you fine tune it. You, um, when you're learning how to shoot, right? You learn the basics of marksmanship, mm -hmm. period. Get rounds on target. Okay. Now we're going to fine tune your stance. We're going to fine tune your trigger pull. We're going to fine tune this and this and this and this, right? right? And, you know, lots of guys I've talked to uh, who are really good shooters or, you know, um, and guys who have been up at the hill and all this stuff, they say, you know, get really good at the fundamentals, all the martial artists I've ever known get really good at the fundamentals, right? If, right. if you can do the bare essentials really well, that, that'll take you to, to extremes, right? Unless you want to be, you know, Olympic shooter or, you know, gold medal, BJJ, IBGTF, the, you know, that's for the fine tuning later, right? But the core, everything, the, the, the core of what you're trying to do, get really good at that then fine tune from there. Yeah. And, and there's another part, there's another part to that too, where I think the only thing that really separates like a conventional force organization with a special forces is the special forces do the basics extremely well to your point fundamentals. Mm -hmm. But that being said, if we don't revisit the basics every now and again, then guess what? The basics don't become basic anymore. Mm -hmm. So we sometimes have to be humble enough to take a step back and, and kind of look at the repertoire of skills that we really want to be good at. Like, okay, what haven't I revisited in a while? And, and what do I want to hone in as a, as a refresher, but not just a refresher, but you know, that little extra sharpening or you, know, you go a next grid higher in mm -hmm. order to get it just a little bit sharper. So I agree, like basics are basics, but if you don't revisit the basics every now and again, if you're always trying to you know, learn that new skill or always trying to be a little bit fancier or, or whatever, a little bit faster, like sometimes we gotta you know, take the, the foot off the throttle just a little bit and then go back to the basics to make sure that those are going to be there in a, in a moment of stress. They're in our back pocket. We can pull that out. You know, we, I got told this uh, thousands of times. I couldn't even tell you how many times I got told this, but there's, um, 
you know, I had it and then I just forgot what it was. <laughs> I just blanked out there. It'll come back. Yeah, it'll come back to me. But um, the, you know, the key thing is that this is good for everything, right? It's not just martial skill. It's not just training. It is ev everything in life, right? If you want to be a really good writer, do the basics, right? Get used to just writing, just putting pencil on paper and writing. Get really good at that. And then you can fine tune the story and you can fine tune everything else. If you want to be um, a really good podcaster, you got to do it, right? You got to work the audio right. equipment. You got to work the lighting. You got to work, you got to try this, try that, and then work the basics of it. Get your voice down, get your, the distance of your mic down, all this stuff, right? So yeah. it is <clears throat> the one thing that I've taken from martial arts for my whole life is that everything I learned there has an allegory to everyday life, mm. right? Everything doesn't matter what it is. If you know, I'm learning a new arm, I'm learning an arm bar from the S map. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Oh, I just lost my video for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> weird. <clears throat> Huzzah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was weird. It just turned off. Anyway, the it is a it is a direct correlation because if I want to, you know, be a better dad. I need to be able to learn how to do that in different situations. I can't just say when everything is wonderful and, glor and uh, glorious, I'm a good dad. You know, my, my son likes me and he's smiling and that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, when is that actually going to play out <laughs> like that? Right. Never the, Oh, and that's the point I was going to make earlier was that uh, it is, you don't rise to the level of your ability. You fall to the level of your training. Right for everything right when when shit hits the fan when i was talking to my wife about the hatchet when i was talking to my mom about you know the illusion of safety you will fall to your training if you don't have that training you have nothing right that's why we have a fight flight freeze instinct if right. you don't know what to do your brain is going to tell you don't move yeah at a bare minimum and you have to get over that I mean, we did, you know, when you're doing workups for tour and you go from blank pairs movement, mm -hmm. right? There's your fundamental blank pairs movement. And then you go live and then you go section blank and then you go section live. And then you like, and you work your way up to level seven where you got the whole battle group and you got tanks and planes and all like shit going everywhere. But the very basic is still pairs movement because it doesn't matter that the tank is behind me. It's the dude beside me that's got to know that I'm moving. That's it's right. the, that guy beside me needs to know that I'm shooting. Mm -hmm. Bare minimum, right? Yeah, and you know, and with with the the, the training philosophy again, you know, I'll bring it back again because it's it's a it's a full spectrum series of skills. So, an example would be um, I have a client that he's a he's an awesome dude, great guy, he wants to learn how to be proficient with a blade, and I respect that. Um, so when we do private sessions together, that's what he wants to work on. And recently, like I, you know, I brought it up to him. I said, it's great. You know, you can function this blade and you're, you're doing really well. I was like, but you know, not to highlight a negative, but your conditioning is poor, man. Like you, you know, you got to work on your conditioning because the reality is you can be slick as whoever you can think of with a blade, but man, if you're unable to move your body and, and really like, you know, push the threshold of your anabol anabolic capacity while in a, in a, a environment where you have to hone this blade, man, you are at a deficit. 
you know, and, and he appreciate the fact that, you know, I'm not calling him out, but I'm saying, listen, I want to help you. But, you know, sessions moving forward, we're going to spend a little bit of time with the blade for sure, but we're going to spend a lot of time on your conditioning because that's where we need to bridge that gap. And, you know, and he respected the fact that I was being honest with him because honestly, like that, that's the, the falter where you can, you can have one area that is, is shining, but guess what? When, when shit goes sideways, it's probably not going to fall into that wheelhouse, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's such a great point too, because <clears throat> your, your ability to work when you're calm and you're, you know, you're training and you're like, yeah, this is great. And that's already heightened, right? Because you're relaxed, your heart rate's down, you know, you're not in danger, you're good to go. Okay. And again, you and I know when you're in danger, that, that, that's not happening, right? Your heart rate is sky high. <clears throat> you're not thinking all you're doing is your base level movements, right? I know first time I got into a firefight, I, I, I know what happened. Yeah. But it was secondary. Like it was shit happened. And then I was like, Oh, right. I'm reloading. And I was or the box was already coming out. Right. Like I'm okay. This is good because the training was there. That's right. Uh, and my breathing was clean and my, but my heart rate was fucking sky high. Right. And so I was processing slower than I was acting because I had the training and I was able to control my breathing and bring my heart rate down as I noticed it, because we had that training and you're absolutely right in that, you know, you could be good with a blade, but when someone else pulls a blade and you're like, shit, (laughs) and they look like they know how to use it, your heart rate's going to jump out of your friggin' head right and then you're you don't know what you're like oh shit what do i do oh my god where do i go and then you're behind as you said earlier you know you're you're acting at a deficit because you don't have uh the conditioning you don't have the stress inoculation you don't have the ability one of the things i loved i was watching a a video on i think it was the seals and they have like a a big hood that they put over you and then they just pop it off and you're in a scenario and you have to be able to deal with it instantaneously so it could be a guy with a gun i'm sure you did something similar you know and i was like man that would be unbelievable training for the average person because just to even try it you would realize how inadequate you are (laughs) yeah absolutely right and and i use those skills now when i have group sessions with clients that are are, you know training in a specific um specific course we'll we'll do courses or uh, scenarios like that so flash scenarios are sometimes referred to as hooded box drills. That's exactly it. You know, you put them in an environment, <clears throat> give them a little bit of uh, pretext or context so they know, you know, what, what to somewhat expect. But then when that hood comes off, they're reacting. You know, once you're at a reacting mode, you know, what you are comfortable with and what you've trained is what's going to come to the surface. So mm-hmm. it's a really, it's a great way for people to um, really be, be honed in and humble to, you know, strengths and and vulnerabilities right so there are certain areas where um they're going to surprise themselves in terms of they reacted in a way that they probably surprise themselves you know so it's good it's really good training yeah that's fantastic i uh i I would love to come and take one of your courses i really would i was watching some of the videos on your facebook and i was like oh that'd be fun uh i'm all the way in alberta though if i ever come out to ottawa i'll definitely come and try one of those because it uh, yeah it'd be great it'd be great to have a lot of fun the uh you know, the thing that I really want to, to harp on is because I, I, I really find a hard time understanding why someone would choose not 
to better themselves based on training. Right. And, but I've been doing it my whole life and I've been, you know, I have no problem walking to a new gym and being low guy on the totem pole. Cool. Whatever. Teach me what you got to teach me. And I'm, I'm happy to learn because I have that mindset, right? I'm just, I'm happy to learn whatever you're going to throw at me. I'm happy to learn. What is your experience with people coming? Like, obviously people are coming to you for training to begin with. Yep. Do you ever get, you know, people with the mindset of this is fucking garbage. I'm not, I don't want to do this. Right. Like, or, um, I I saw this one thing on UFC. It was blah, 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 blah. Teach me how to do this. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? How do you deal with people like that? Um, I, I encourage people to challenge anything that I'm, I'm teaching or showing if they don't agree with it or they have some reservations about it. I, I welcome it. I say, okay, no problem. Like, let's, let's talk. Let's walk the dog on this one. And then ultimately the deciding factor, because I'm not trying to convince them to be a believer. I want them to, to see that certain things work. So we'll do it. We'll, we'll run it live. So those pressure testing um, moments are when it really comes to the surface. And the reality is like, not every technique that I show a group of people, not everybody in that group is going to get it. And it's not them. It's not their fault. It's my delivery. So what I take the, you know, the level of professionalism and the onus is on me to connect with that individual and give them a series of skills based on their body type or their athletic ability to make whatever it is that they're trying to apply to make it work for them. So that what that means is there might be a slight modification. There might be a variation of the technique. But as long as it's working for that individual, when it's tested, right, when it's pressure tested, not when there's no resistance, not when, mm-hmm. you know, they're just looking in the mirror or whatever, that doesn't count. But when it's pressure tested, that's going to elicit a response that's going to build confidence, or they're going to make the decision. Cognitively, they'll say, nope, that technique is not for me. And that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when people, I shouldn't say when people, I've only ever had one scenario so far where somebody brought um, something to the surface that they saw on YouTube. And I said, sure. Okay. So, and he was like, well, I saw this guy on YouTube and I want to try it. Okay, sure. That's only ever happened one time. And I, and I don't know, um, why that situation presented itself, but it did. So the way I walked the dog on it was cool, man. Show me what you're talking about. All right, let's pressure test it. And then once it's pressure tested, then they see, okay, there's some fault, there's some flaws or, or yeah, it's good to go. And then now they've built that into, uh, you know, into their toolbox, so to speak. That's awesome. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I got told very early in my career that it is my responsibility as a soldier to question every order I was given. And I really took that to heart, uh, unfortunately, to my detriment at some point. <laughs> I, uh, I questioned some sergeant majors that didn't really like being questioned by a corporal, but yeah, of that's uh, besides the point. But it, it's such a key thing for anybody learning is to you know really question what it is they're learning question the person that they're learning it from and at to your uh to your point is that you know a solid teacher someone who is really looking out for the people that they're delivering information to will be open to that absolutely question me let's take a look let's try it out let's see how it feels and you know when i go um when i go train jujitsu and i'm i saw something cool on instagram i'm like oh that's a sweet move i should try that they're like yeah cool man try it out see what happens and then you know i get smoked because i'm still a white belt and i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) um but you know that that there's a level of confidence level of professionalism the level of knowledge of what it is that you want to accomplish that will see you through that 
And I, I think that's great that, you know, your, your response is to be open, right? Sure. Let's try it out. See what happens. Right. Because fuck, you never know. No, Some, exactly something it. might show up that just works out perfectly. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I started tools <clears throat> for the toolbox was that I just wanted to put the information out there, right? Yeah. Whether it works for you. Cool. If it doesn't cool, yeah, the okay. information is there, right? Yeah. Use it as you will try it out. Yeah. And it just, uh, such a, such a great philosophy to work on. Now we've been rolling for just about an hour here. Do you have any, uh, final points? Any, um, anything you want to add? Uh, maybe just, um, maybe just to add that when people or if people are having that conversation with themselves and they're interested in doing any type of training, whatever the training might be, <clears throat> what I would say is have a conversation with yourself. If you have reservations in terms of what would you say to your loved one or what would you say to someone that you really care about if they were thinking about doing some training? And that might help people get over that hump of, I'm not sure if it's right for me. I'm not sure if it's the right time. There's today is always the right time. Right now is the right time. Mm -hmm. So if th people are thinking about training, but they're a little bit nervous or, you know, they're just lacking that little, little push on the back or that note of care of uh, encouragement, whatever it might be, they can take matters into their own hands, look themselves in the mirror and say, what would I say to my loved one if he or she really wanted to do some training, but I knew that they were nervous for X, Y, and Z reasons. Like, what mm -hmm. would I say to them? That's what, that's what I would tell people, like help coach yourself to get over that, uh, that hurdle that's preventing you from, from doing whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. That, that's such a great point. I, uh, I can't express enough how many, uh, <clears throat> how important that is to just start, just right? do it. What are you, what are you losing? Right. right. What are you losing? Are you, an afternoon, yep. some sweat, right? yep. <laughs> you can go there, you try it. Okay. This isn't for me. Yeah. Done. Right. Okay, cool. You've made the decision. It's not for you. Move on. You can go to the next thing. Right. But right. A I, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck on the fear on the insecurity on the, you know, the wishy-washiness, like, ah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm sore today. And you know, this works in everything, right? W workouts, yeah. um, going to school, go doing anything, right? You just anything. Yeah. try, see what try. happens. Yeah, be, be okay with making <laughs> yeah. mistakes. Be okay with, you know, things not going according to plan. It's going to happen. But, you know, I, I truly believe that in order for us to develop as individuals and, and to improve the society that we're living in, we've got to deal with some hardships. We have to go through some ruts in order to really grow and, and persevere. So if you never put yourself out there and you always live in that safe bubble, guess what? You're, you're probably going to live a very uh, vanilla life, yes. which, which, you know, some people, that's what they want and, uh, to each is their own, but I'm, I'm willing to believe that everybody internally, everybody wants a little bit more for themselves. Yeah, there's no growth in the comfort zone, right? Yeah, that's right. If you're if you're comfortable where you are, you're not getting any better. And I'm, again, we're we're of a different breed, right? Yeah. But at the same time, there's lots of people that are out there that are just like, I just want to, you know, I want to be healthier, or I want to be stronger, I want to lose some weight, I want to be able to do so on and so forth. And I think martial arts is, especially BJJ, that is the way forward 
because it you're getting everything at once. You're getting stress, you're getting uh, exercise, you're getting health, you're meeting people. It's usually a really good environment. If it's not, try it in school, right? Like it's, it's pushing you out of your comfort zone, but it's not, you're not going to the range all of a sudden for the first time in your life, right? You're just yeah. stepping onto a mat and gonna roll around with some people. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think that's the way forward anyway. I really appreciate you being on. I, I this has been a great conversation. <laughs> Absolutely, thanks, Chance. Fantastic. I appreciate it, man. And um, you know, for for what it's worth, um, I do appreciate you reaching out. And I like what you're doing. I think there's a lot of people that will benefit from the guests that you have on and that you speak with. Um, it's awesome hearing your insights and, and your your points of view on things as well. And um, it's positive, man. So the world needs more people like you. So keep it up, man. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Um, if anybody wants to follow you um social media wise or yeah, direct action wise, yeah direct action combat performance so instagram uh youtube channel facebook it's all direct action combat or direct action combat performance if people want to send me an email uh, by all means they can reach out to my personal email at randy at direct actions with an s that's direct actions with an s dot ca awesome well thanks again brother this is uh it's going to be a great, great show. <laughs> Thanks, Chance. I appreciate it, man. Stay safe. Uh, you know, shoot straight. Uh, shoot safe and uh, stay fit. Welcome. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open. Stay humble and stay focused. Gmo.